What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always as we record this on Sunday night. Um, the Maryland Rutgers game is starting to wind down here. Um, it's currently a 16-7 lead for the Terrapins. Uh, not going to talk too much about this game, but kind of wanted to you know, mention Ogwosnowskis, uh, now the all-time career points leader in Maryland lacrosse history. Um, he has 292, I believe now, at this point. Uh, he broke uh, Jared Bernhardt's 290 uh, points uh, in a career at Maryland. He tied that with his uh, second goal of the game, I believe it was. Um, Wisnowskis, a record-breaking night for him. And uh, just a, a, another amazing performance from this Maryland team. Really, again, no holes here, no holes in, in this team that that we've seen thus far. Um, <clears throat> you know, just talking to someone earlier today and, and kind of talking about you know who's going to beat Maryland, and you know, you look at kind of the tiers of of college across right now. I think you have to put Maryland, obviously, in, in that in that top tier by themselves, <clears throat> but below that, like, who's in that second tier? And, you know, we're going to talk about some of those teams on this show tonight, um, and, and and one in particular. So I think when you look at that second tier, I obviously I think Virginia has to be in there uh, for sure. And then, you know, I also think, um, you know, Yale, Cornell, and Princeton um, should be in that tier as well. Uh, third tier, probably Georgetown, and then Rutgers um, as that third tier. Now, um, you know, you want to put a third team in that third tier. Um, I, I really don't know who it is. I, I really don't. Um, is it Penn? You know, they're four and four now. They lost to Brown on Saturday. Um, I, you know, I have a hard time seeing Ohio State there. Uh, Harvard, they got you know big loss to to Cornell. Um, and you just go down kind of the top twenty, and, and, and I really don't think there's anybody else that you put in that third tier. Uh, now a fourth tier, I think you would just have to kind of say everybody else um and list basically the next you know top 25 teams um because i mean look first tier maryland second tier yale uva cornell princeton that's four it's five with maryland georgetown rutgers that's seven teams i don't think there's anybody better than those seven teams in college lacrosse at the moment, 
and Maryland has beaten because they've beaten <clears throat> three of those teams that I mentioned: Princeton by five, Virginia by twenty-three to twelve, and they're beating up on Rutgers as we speak. It, 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 it's an unbelievable season for them, and um, you know, pencil them in championship weekend, pencil them in national title game. Um, <clears throat> as I mentioned. We'll talk about some of those teams that I mentioned uh, that I put myself in that second tier on this show. And, and one of those teams we're going to talk about is Yale. Because, look, um, I don't have a vote, but if I did, I'd put Yale. I'd put Yale at, 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 at number two this week. Um, and they might not be the second best team in the country, but. You know, they were number five coming into the week. <clears throat> and they put up a unbelievable performance against Boston U on on a Tuesday, 22-15 uh, win in that one. And they had probably the best half of lacrosse that we've seen from any team this season, um, where, you know, at the half, this this was a game that was, I mean, they put up 11 goals in the second period alone. So that, I mean, it was 19 to 6 at half. Like, you go 11 and 1, you win the second quarter 11 to 1. After, I mean, that first quarter was a great offensive performance as well, but really, it looked like both defenses just kind of laid down, um, Yale eventually, you know, Thomas Bragg gets what was his second, his third of the day. There were 628 left in the first, and they just go on a run all the way through the, uh, through the four-minute mark of the second. Uh, Patrick Hackler gets one at 421 before Jet uh, uh, Dizama gets one for Boston U. And they don't get another one until the third. Um, you literally go, I mean, what is that? It's, it's you're up five to three. Oh, excuse me, you're down five to three. And then, like, in the blink of an eye almost, you're up 18 to six heading into the half. Um, just an unbelievable performance there from Yale in that first half. And you know, Boston, you kind of, you know, comes back and it looks a bit closer than it was. With it being a twenty-two uh, to fifteen win, but um, just another example of Yale just kind of separating themselves. I think in the Ivy League, and something that we I, I talked about on here earlier this season was what Princeton had shown me, and they they've shown the across world we have the depth this year. It's not an issue of our top end talent is really really good, and is capable of playing at a high level. But we don't have the depth to get it done on a day-to-day basis. Princeton has shown they have that this year. But I said, within that context, I think Princeton probably is, you know, I don't want to say they peaked too early because they they, they, they they could prove me wrong right here. But, you know, and I think there's still improvement to be made within that Princeton team. Uh, you know, they got the 12-7 to win over Boston U on 
Saturday, a really good uh, defensive performance from Princeton. It really was a defensive kind of uh, slugfest, if you will, will, early on in that game. So Princeton was able to kind of break the dam open and uh, ends the game uh, really on kind of a hot streak there the the Princeton offense does. Um, and, you know, they've got really one big test left. I think Harvard is going to be a decent game. We'll see what happens there. But Cornell, uh, to end the season, a big test for for Princeton um, <clears throat> there. But back to what I was saying within the context of Princeton and Yale is, you know, I, I felt Yale had much more room to improve than Princeton did. And not that Princeton can't improve, can't get better, uh, because they certainly still can. But I thought that, that, that Princeton had kind of peaked at an earlier point in the season. Um, you, know, you see them beat Georgetown, beat Rutgers, beat Penn, um, three, you know, really good performances. And, you know, then they lose that game to Yale. And I thought, not that that, not that, that one game proved my point, because something like that, you're not going to see it in a one-game situation. You're going to see it in multiple games. And, look, after that, you know, Princeton, they, they played Brown. They, they blew them out 17-9. to uh, they blow out Marist, and then they beat Boston U in what was a close game up until kind of the end. <clears throat> um, and I, I still think you're seeing some of these younger guys step up for Princeton. Um, there, you know, Colter McAsee had another good day for the Tigers as, as some of these young guys uh, are, are still making plays as they did earlier in the season. But I think it like if you're going to see Princeton and Yale, if they're going to play again, I think Yale's going to take that one again. Um, and look, when you look at what Yale's done, and specifically offensively, their defense has been pretty solid all year long. You know, Fake, Alexander, and DeMuth there at close. Jared Parquet has been, you know, standing on his head each and every week. Um, but, you know, you, you look at this offense, and it hasn't always been the most diverse performances. Brandau, Johnson have kind of been there since the beginning. Um, and But Chris Lyons has has stepped up. I mean, this is a guy who didn't even start. He played his first college game against Cornell, um, at Cornell as a reserve there. Uh, then gets the start against Princeton, has another hat trick. Right? Had a hat trick against Cornell, another one against Princeton. Has a hat trick and one assist against Penn in that win. And then again, Boston U, six goals, two assists, eight points, his best performance of his young college career. He had three points, two goals, one assist against Dartmouth. Really, Chris Lyons, that story, I think, is really indicative of what this Yale team has been this year. As It's been a constant improvement, and they're still improving. I think you look at what they're doing now, Look, it, <clears throat> I know we're talking about Maryland and, and how I don't think anyone can beat them. Um, outside of Maryland, I don't know. Like if I'm a coach, outside of Maryland, the only team that I would honestly say I don't want to play right now is Yale. They're, they're playing better than anyone with the exception of Maryland. And <clears throat> granted, a blowout against Boston U and a blowout against Dartmouth. They were able – Dartmouth, that game, you know, Dartmouth slowed it down and Cornell fell into the trap. Yale didn't. They 
spun it out. It was a slow first quarter, but eventually in the second there, really late in the first, if you want to be exact, late in the first there, Yale kind of turns it on and says, okay, we're not doing this. We're not going to get sucked into it. We're going to go fast. We're going to play all style. We're going to play all game. And uh, they did just that. They did just that. Um, so, yeah, good, good, good weekend for Yale. A good week for Yale, I should say. Um, and then, <clears throat> look, staying in the Ivy League, um, you know, so we'll talk about some teams I mentioned. And another one of those teams that I did mention there that uh, we talked about was was Princeton. And I know we just talked about him a little bit. Um, excuse me, uh, Cornell. Uh, was Cornell. And uh, Cornell did have uh, a big game this weekend. I thought it was kind of, you know, this game wasn't necessarily for the top of the Ivy. But um, created a little chaos in the Ivy, if you know what I mean. So, uh, you know, Cornell comes in their top, what, top five team, I believe they were this week. Um, And they, they, they welcome in Harvard. And uh, it was a slow game to start start the start the day. Um, both goalies played very well in that first period. Um, both defenses really played well in that first period. Uh, but you know something clicked, and as we've seen with Cornell before this season, it's like okay, you have slow. Maybe you start a little slow, ha- have a a slower first period, but then boom, it's it's over. And in the blink of an eye, you know, they go on, was it a nine-to-one run um, in this, uh, yeah, a nine-goal run, I believe it was, Um, yeah, to get up 10-1 early in the third. And, you know, there's no turning back from that. Uh, To Harvard's credit, they did cut it to a five-goal game. At one point, they lost Madronic's goal in the third, but I thought Cornell was just too powerful. They overpowered them. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, that, that definitely an interesting one there. Um, you know, and these were two really good defenses as well coming into the week. Um, you know, one thing I, I do want to mention, and, and this is certainly something to to watch here. So, Hollywood has not been good at the faceoff dot all season. Um, Cornell comes into the season. You know, some high hopes for Angelo Petrakis after what he did as a freshman, and he, he had some good performances uh, there. Um, you know, notably, you know, played a solid game against Ohio State. You know, started pretty good against Albany. Uh, wasn't exactly uh, you know, fantastic against Lehigh, but you know, held his own at times. Um, and then you, you kind of notice, like, kind of drops off Yale. 3 of 14, Penn, 9 of 23. And that Penn game, I think, for me, was really kind of a wake-up of, like, okay, Petrakis might not be, you know, might not be the guy that maybe a lot of us thought he was coming into the season. And much of that was due to Penn's struggles at the dot early on. Uh, but, you know, Jamie Zuzzi has, has really picked it up, you know, kind of mid-season uh, to – about five games and I want to say Zuzi uh, really picked it up. This Cordell game uh, in particular is when he kind of really picked it up and, and has been going really good. Uh, but Petrakis uh, played a very good game on on Saturday. Now, granted, I mentioned Harvard's not a great face-off team, but 
Petrakis uh, played a very good game there. Uh, goes 17 for 27. That's 62%. Uh, that's one of his better performances of the season. That's one of his better performances really of the last, well, well early in the month, but of the, the last month of play, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought all, all around great performance there from the Big Red. Um, you know, Gavin Adler doing his thing again. Ian Jacobs there also um, at defense. And, you know, this is a Cornell team that uh, was a little banged up at the midfield in this game. But, you know, they, they, they were able to kind of push through and uh, be, them, be their normal selves, um, if you will, against the Harvard defense that had, had given some teams some trouble early on in the season, had given some good offenses uh, some trouble early on. In the season, Cornell gets the big win there. Moving on from the, well, I guess we'll go Penn Brown now. Um, just hit on that for a minute. So, <clears throat> went back and watched this game Saturday night. Uh, Penn and Brown. Th- 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 this game, um, I'm not going to talk a bunch about it. Um, really kind of a game of runs, if you will. Where you know Penn gets down five nothing. Excuse me, Brown gets down five nothing at Penn, and they, they just you know Dalian Cook, unassisted first goal, um, less than a minute into the second period, gets a goal. Uh, Dev McLean from Ryan Ogden, Reed Moshida to Ryan Ogden. You know it's a th- it's a five three game with eleven eleven at the eleven eleven mark. Of the of the second, and you were just down five to nothing. Um, you know, little transition sequence. BJ Fuller to Cam Rubin. Uh, saw a lot of transition in this game. Both these teams can get out and run. Really fun to watch. Uh, Fuller to Rubin kind of settles things down for Penn, but once again, and they got another one uh, transition wise. Uh, Peter Blake to BJ Fuller for the long pole goal late in the second. Uh, that's all they got in the second period uh, with those two goals from Rubin and Farrar. Otherwise, it was all Brown. Uh, Antonelli, Trevor Yeboah, Cody, I thought w- w- was, and I've said this before, is one of the mo- most important players on this team uh, in terms of what he can do defensively, offensively. Uh, plays a really, really fun style of cross. Is a fun player to watch and a, an important player for this Brown team. Uh, he showed out on Saturday, one goal, one assist there for two points, uh, three shots, five ground balls, one cause turnover, really making plays all over the field um, in this one. But, you know, Brown takes the 7-6 to six lead, a Moshida goal with 309 left in the second. And, uh, I mean, from, from there, they were they it got tied up twice, the Ferrari goal to end the second. And then early in the third, uh, Dylan Gagal uh, from Sam Hanley makes it eight to eight game. It was never tied again in, in this game, um, as as Penn or me, as Brown led the rest of the way. Uh, you had a pair from Devin McLean that really kind of provided some cushion there in the third, including that man up goal. And I thought really after that man up goal uh, from McLean, um, I, I really didn't think and see what Penn was doing offensively and. Uh, granted, this was kind of a defensive struggle, if you will, uh, d- 
down the stretch with both goalies, I thought, played fantastic in this one. Connor Thaleo, uh, Thaleo, 13 saves. Bokenshaw, 17 saves. Um, and you look at the second half, and you know, Bokenshaw, he had nine saves in the second half. Uh, and Thaleo, Thaleo had eight saves in the second half. Oh, seven saves, seven saves in the second half. Um, so really good second halves defensively from these teams. Um, you did have some, you know, you know kind of clearing issues uh, with both of these. Not overly, like, bad. Uh, 24 of 28 for Brown, 27 of 30 for Penn. So you're missing a couple, but, you know, y- you want to be 100%. But if you're not, what you did on Saturday isn't necessarily terrible. Uh, but there were some opportunities where, uh, you know, the opposition did get a good look off some of those failed clears. Um, and then, you know, I, I thought one of the one of the bigger things here for for Brown was was the man up unit. Uh, me, the man down unit. They, they they hold Penn to one of three, and Penn, you know, they only got three opportunities, but. Uh, you can vote one of those, and that's a that's a team that was going, um, I think, fifty percent coming into the day uh, on the extra man. Uh, Brown goes three or four, uh, so I mean that discrepancy there. Uh, but they they did a good job there, holding down the fort, um, uh, not holding down the fort, but you know, getting having success on those man up goals and that man up situation. I mentioned McLean had that one. Then the third, Augustin had another one in the fourth, uh, early in the in that final frame that made it an eleven to nine game. Those two goals uh, really kind of sunk in um, Penn, and then McLean obviously had that you know, eventual game winner. I guess you could say uh, with two thirty eight left, Yoboa Cody comes down uh, in transition, feeds McLean, and that is that. Uh, McLean ended the day with. Four goals. He was fantastic for Brown. As always, Reed uh, Moshido uh, and Ryan Argivin, each two goals to assist as well. Um, and I think this game shows it, it shows a lot more about Brown than it does with Penn. I, I think Penn, they dropped a four and four. Um, and when you look at the Quakers' schedule, you know, the next few weeks, they've got Harvard coming up this weekend, and they have Dartmouth. I think they should win both of those games. Harvard, I think, is going to be a bit of a battle, uh, but that Dartmouth game, hey, if Dartmouth can pull them in like they did Cornell, it could be a close one as well, but I think they win both of those two games. Their conference bye week is that last week of the season, so they play St. Joseph's in what should be a, you know, a Philadelphia matchup, but be an interesting one. And they're at Albany to end the season. I expect them to win that one. So Penn could realistically win out the rest of the way. And look, with, with only losses to Yale, uh, I mean, the, the loss to Yale, Brown, and Princeton, um, and depending on what Brown does, uh, they've got Yale and Cornell left on their schedule, as well as Dartmouth that last weekend of the season. They got that. Uh, Ocean State Cup game against Bryant on that Tuesday of the final week of the year as well. So if Brown loses Yale and Cornell, they're pretty much out of contention there. 
And considering Penn, I think should win out the rest of the you know the rest of the way in the Ivy League these next two weeks. I think Penn's still probably in a good position uh, to get in that Ivy League tournament. So I don't think I need to worry a ton. Uh, but I, I do again think this game showed a lot more about the fight that Brown had than uh, the defaults of uh, the discrepancies that Penn was able to have. They had some looks. It just looked like like they weren't able to get things going as they usually did. Um, And, I I mean, I think I've said this before, but, like, Penn, that Cornell game really showed, okay, we have this depth and all that. Um, It didn't seem like they really – it didn't seem like that on Saturday. And that's really the main takeaway for me from Penn was it it just didn't really seem like they had that, that depth, that they had that talent to go to. And they weren't going to it as much. And they were trying to force a lot of things. Um, you know, like they were playing up tight. Um, that first quarter was really good. They were playing free-flowing and all of that. If they would have kept doing that throughout the game, they probably would have won this one. Uh, but, again, credit to, to, to Mike Daly and to Brown. Uh, that That's a tough team. You never want to play Brown. Ask Virginia. Uh, you never want to play Brown. That's a tough team. And uh, they pulled out a tough win there on Saturday on Franklin Field. Moving away from the Ivy League and a bit farther south to the SoCon, Jacksonville holds off Richmond. Look, um, congrats to to Coach Galloway. Congrats to Jacksonville. Um, No big defensive stand there late in the game there. Uh, Made the biggest stop of the day. 40 seconds left in regulation. Colin Hinton scoops up that ground ball, runs it in the offensive zone. Um, Dolphins ran into some trouble, but uh, lucky uh, John Galloway gets the timeout, 21 seconds left, um, and they're able to run the clock out. I think Richmond had the like final possession with, like, they, they, they caused the turnover and got it with, like, two seconds left, so couldn't do anything. So, uh, essentially, Jacksonville runs the clock out as best as they can, uh, but that play – uh, Colin Hinton getting that GB <clears throat> after I think a pass was batted down. I don't know exactly who batted the uh, the pass down for the Dolphins, but uh, really sealed the deal there for for Jacksonville as they get the thirteen to eleven win <clears throat> over Richmond. Um, it not only marked their first win in program history over the Spiders, but also end, earned them a tenth win on the season, which had also never been done in the 11-year history of Jacksonville lacrosse. Uh, Really, really big day for the Dolphins. And, you know, on what was truly a historic day at Rock Stadium, um, the Dolphins, I think, showcased their depth uh, once again uh, as multiple players stepped up. You had Jeremy Winston, who had been kind of a, a presence there all season, had four goals last week against High Point. He was out among uh, multiple other guys uh, on that offense were out. Uh, and, and you saw some guys step up. Uh, Tyler Corpora uh, puts up together his best performance of the season, five points, four goals, one assist. Uh, Jacob uh, Griner, one goal, two assists. Ethan Lamond, again, was a strong performance, two goals, one assist. And then you had Max Waldbaum, one goal, one assist. Jack Dolan, one goal, one assist there. Each had two points. Uh, uh, you had Brendan McKenna with uh, 
that same stat line. Uh, those short stick defensive midfielders, I thought, played a phenomenal game. Tucker Garrity, Marshall McGuire. Garrity had one goal. McGuire had one assist. They also got in on on that action on the offensive end as that rope unit, as I said, played a fantastic game. Garrity also had four ground balls, three cost turnovers. Um, really big game for him. LSM Jordan Young, two ground balls, two cost turnovers. And, and they were really just kind of the front of that defense that played so well. Um, Colin Hinton, Jack Heed combined for six ground balls, six cost turnovers. You know, two-headed monster there at close. Luke Milliken, 10 saves to anchor things. And, look, I, I, I would be remiss if I said <clears throat> the man down unit for, for Jacksonville. And I don't know if you all have watched a lot of Jacksonville this year, but uh, Jason Yokito is the man, man down goalie. I know that sounds a little weird, but, yeah, they have a man down goalie. Um, Jason Yokito uh, made one save there as, uh, as the man down goalie. As the Dolphins hold Richmond 0 for 4, they have four opportunities. They blank them on each one uh, on the man up. So a really big man down day for uh, the Dolphins. Really, they were solid everywhere um, except for at the faceoff dot. Uh, Jared Chinoy, uh, a Florida native, actually St. Thomas Aquinas uh, High School freshman, a really good freshman at that 65% on the day for the Spiders. But other than that, uh, this one was pretty much all Dolphins uh, for the majority of the game. Um, You know, Richmond, they get up 13-7 to there in the third quarter. Um, You know, they go, you know, Lance Berry for for Richmond um, has a pair there within a minute of each other that pulled them within one with like 8.48 left in the second. But that's as close as Richmond would ever get again. Um, they never got within one in this game. They get within 13 to 11 late. Uh, really good comeback effort there from the Spiders. But uh, again, the the Jacksonville defense able to hold them off in this one. Um, and, and as I said, the Jacksonville, I think, again, just showcased, again, what uh, similar to what they did against High Point, they showcased the amount of depth and the amount of talented depth they have all over that field. And it showed a lot. It showed a lot. <clears throat> um, now, I will say, Jacksonville, the fourth quarter, not the cleanest. Not the cleanest at all. Uh, Richmond, you know, they, they, they got a goal there. Ryan Dunn late. Uh, at the buzzer uh, to make it a 13 to seven game at the end of the heading into the fourth at the end of the third there Dunn puts one in at the buzzer uh, he ended the day with I think he had a hat trick there for uh, for Richmond um, I don't have the stats up but he he had a he had a strong game for them uh, there Dunn did as did uh, Lance Bailey with six points, four goals, two assists. Madonna, two goals, one assist. Luke Frankney, uh, three goals there. Uh, and, and Zach Vigu uh, uh, with 14 saves on the day, nine of which came in the first half of play. So um, take you, take with that what you will. Um, back, back to kind of the fourth quarter spurt here for Richmond. I mean, 
really solid line on that buzzer beater. They get a lot. They get a like a, they needed energy. They they needed it so bad. They didn't have it at all. Though down thirteen to six, Ryan Dunn makes it. You know, cuts it to uh, will that be a, a six goal lead? And uh, they outscored the Dolphins four nothing and crept as close as they could uh, t- to the Dolphins' lead, but uh, ultimately was never able to tie it. Was never able to um, to get it going uh, to 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 get the lead. Um, two of the goals, the first two goals in the in that final period, came on possessions uh, that came off of a Jacksonville shot clock violation and a faceoff violation. The final two goals came off of turnovers from the Dolphins. Uh, Jacksonville, seven turnovers in the fourth quarter alone, three of which were caused. Um, you look at, I, I think I have even tweeted, and I'll try to find it, um, at one point in the game where Jacksonville, quoting Jacksonville's defense and what they had been doing all game here and but, you know, late in the game. Okay, here it is. So this was like 12.32 p.m. on Saturday. Um, Jacksonville has been – this is from my Twitter. Jacksonville has been really has really been able to create a lot of trouble for Richmond today. The Spiders have committed 16 turnovers, 12 of which have been caused. And if we go to the final the box score here probably should have pulled this up earlier but if we go to the final box score here of the game richmond ended the day with 19 turnovers and uh jacksonville caused 15 of those turnovers so uh that was really kind of a the situation there with jacksonville they had 15 turnovers to end the day as i said seven of which there in the in the fourth period of play, uh, but a lot of just unforced errors, a lot of just stupid stupid turnovers, um, you know, faceoff violation, uh, shot clock violation. There, uh, two two missed kind of missteps, if you will, there as well. So uh, Jacksonville really, I think, kind of maybe got ahead of themselves, and when Richmond kind of came back the way they did, kind of was was a little spooked by it. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they buckled down late, and they get that win. Uh, big, big win there uh, for the uh, Jacksonville Dolphins. Um, as, I, as I mentioned with um, the late game kind of situation there, um, and the Jacksonville defense, do want to mention, you know, Ray Barron, Griffin College for the, um, the Richmond defense. I thought they played very well uh, throughout the game. Uh, as they were able to tighten up and find some success late, especially. Uh, the pair combined for four caused turnovers and five ground balls. Both of college's caused turnovers came during that final period of play um, when kind of they were able to stifle that Jacksonville defense uh, as best as they could. Um, we, we got another big, big Richmond game coming up this weekend as they will play high point. Uh, is it this weekend? Uh, excuse me, next weekend. Next weekend. So not the 16th, but the 23rd, Richmond at High Point. Uh, that is going to be a big one as uh, they will go and play the Panthers in what is likely to be the um, the game for that second seed in the SOCON. Uh, Jacksonville, they played High Point Richmond, and they get wins there. And I said coming into the, into the season 
you know, biggest question for Jacksonville. Um, you know, he'll come in and, you know, final season of the SoCon, uh, unfortunately, is the well, Jacksonville's moving the ace on Richmond, the CAA. But um, <clears throat> you said kind of coming in the season. High point, Richmond, they've been there. They've done that. Uh, when's Jacksonville's time? Like, when are they going to be able to do it? And can they do it this year? And it looks like they indeed have done that. Uh, another big conference contest was in Philadelphia this weekend as uh, Denver, 12-10. to 10, They top Villanova. Um, well, this is one. Um, look, and, and I think I mentioned on the preview podcast, like, I, I think Villanova might be able uh, – yeah, Justin Coppola might be able to kind of give Petrakis a game at the faceoff dot because he is much improved this year. Um, and he did. He did. Um, uh, St- Stathakis, who's 9 of 26, one of his worst performances of his career. Uh, Justin uh, Coppola, 16, 17 for 22 at the dot. However, one of those wins for Denver's uh, Angelo Petrakis, uh, Alec, uh, Alec Stathakis. I wanted to say Petrakis. Not talking about Cornell anymore. Uh, for Stathakis, um, all these face-off guys have weird names. Uh, for Alex Satskis, you know, came late in the game as, you know, Basile scores things uh, to, to cut cuts it to one there. J.P. Basile does um, there, but never able to take the lead back. Villanova isn't because Stathakis wins the ensuing face-off, takes it down, and puts in the final goal of the game. Uh, to make it a 12-10 to 10 contest. Um, Denver, they scored the first goal of the game, and they only trailed once uh, as they get the bounce-back win after the blowout loss in the conference opener at Georgetown. Um, I-, I thought this game, so... I thought this game here was one where Villanova could have done a lot more. It feels like offensively they were kind of a little stagnant, hesitant to go, hesitant to attack, hesitant to dodge at times. Um, I think, and I said this coming into the game, I think Villanova's a better team than Denver. Like, top to bottom, I think Villanova's probably a better team this season. Um, will that be the case next year? Probably not. Uh, but you look at some of the guys that Villanova has, a Matt Campbell, a J.P. Basile, a Luke Keating. Uh, these are guys that can make plays and do all the time. Um and it, it just didn't feel like they were going at, at the rate in which we've seen them uh, so far this season. Um, and, and, and what credit to Denver. Uh, they're able to pull out a gritty win there uh, in, in, in Philadelphia and a much-needed win at that. They moved to 6-5 and five on the season. They likely lock up that number two seed in the Big East. Actually, we'll go to another another NEs, uh Big conference tilt in Philadelphia. St. Joseph's holds off Bryant. Uh, this is one. So I was watching this one, and I flipped it off because it's a 10-3 to lead in the third quarter for, 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 for St. Joseph's. And it looks like they're going to pull this one out. Zach Cole uh, goes 8 of 10 in the first half uh, at the faceoff dot. He, he you know, dominates kind of through early in the second, early in the third. As you know, they're up six to three at the half. They, you know, build on that ten to three late, uh, early in the third. However, 
Jacob Alexander turns it on, went 10 for 13 at the dot in the second half of play to help aid a seven-goal blind run through the final buzzer. Um, and St. Joseph's 11 to 10 win in this one. I cannot wait until the rematch, NEC title game, St. Joseph's Bryant. I'm calling it right now. Uh, that's going to be a fun rematch if we get to see that. Hopefully we do. These two teams uh, played a phenomenal game. I went back and watched the second half, and the way Bryant was able to take over this game, much like, like St. Joe's was early in the game, um, just two teams that can just take over whenever the heck they want. And uh, th- th- they don't necessarily play similar styles, but they're both very fun teams to watch. Very fun teams to watch, can make those plays in transition, have have strong players at the faceoff dot. Fun, fun contest there in the NEC as usual. Pair of ACC games to talk about here. Notre Dame tops Duke. Um, look, uh, the Irish, they get the 16-15 to 15 win on Saturday. Uh, four goals, three assists, seven-point outing behind Kavanaugh. Four of his points came. In the first quarter, he had the first two goals of the game before assisting on two more to help push Notre Dame ahead 7-3 at the end of the opening frame. Jake Taylor, making his second start of the season, got in the action, two goals to assist. Um, you know, Nakai Montgomery, Brennan O'Neill uh, each had uh, you know identical stat lines there uh, with a hat trick and two assists for five points uh, to lead. Duke, um, I, I thought this was, and I should mention Will Lynch, uh, 53% for Notre Dame against Duke's Jake Nay, so he played very well uh, throughout the contest. Um, I, I I thought this was one, uh, another instance of Duke not really playing hard, um, or not playing hard, but, but not really kind of kicking it into high gear until their backs were against the wall. Um, you know, you twice had Notre Dame up by four goals, uh, they led seven to three early in the game there uh, at the end of the opening period, and then you know following Duke was able to cut it to eight to seven with five forty four in the second. So now, granted, I think Duke did get going quicker than they had in other games, uh, but still, it, it, like it was like when you're back against the wall, you kind of have a little spurt, and then Notre Dame goes on a little run again, and you're like, oh, oh, dang it, we 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 got to start start scoring again. And they do it again. Um, you know, it, it, it was, you know, Notre Dame responded to that, to Duke cutting it to one with a 5-2 run in which the Irish find, found themselves up 12-8 uh, at one point and then 13-9 at one point before Duke found their groove uh, late in the game there. And, and it's it's an 11-10 win. It's a 16-15 win uh, for Duke. Uh, Brendan O'Neill get the final goal of the contest, just a few seconds left. But um, I, you know, I, I kind of came out of this one feeling like Notre Dame is is really starting to kind of hit their rhythm, um, and and is probably if if you no know, if the ACC gets three teams in, which I think after this weekend might be a little difficult to to see happen, but if they do, I, I have a good feeling that Notre Dame is going to be there. Uh, they're 4-4 four and four at the moment. Um, 
They've got Marquette up on, is that Tuesday? Yeah, the 12th on Tuesday. They've got Marquette up on Tuesday. Should win that one. They've got Carolina, Syracuse, and Duke again. Uh, Carolina, Duke in South Bend. Syracuse in Syracuse. They already beat the Orange already this season. I have a good feeling about Notre Dame coming in, into the this final stretch of the season. I think they can win out. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they lose to Duke. Maybe Duke kind of puts it together there when they meet them. Uh, but you know, South Bend is always a tough place to win. Um, and you know, I mean, it, it's going to be a going to be kind of a nice fight um, in the ACC this year, where teams are fighting to get in the AC, in the NCAA's. But um, I, I do, I really do feel good about Notre Dame heading into this final stretch. Uh, Virginia, they pulled away. You know, speaking of ACC's and NCAA tournament. Uh, the safest team is the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Virginia pulls away from Carolina in this one, 11-4. Really, uh, Matthew Nunes, Colin Krieg, just clap it up for both guys real quick. I, I thought both players played an outstanding game. Um, it was 11-4, to four, but without Colin Krieg, this could have been much worse. Much worse. Um Oh, this was one. It's a two-one game for Carolina, uh, leading at the end of the first, and both these goalies just standing on their heads. Uh, not a lot of offense because of the goalie play. And look, aided by a fifty-five percent mark from Petey Lasala, um, who was back in this game after leaving last week's game. However, uh, you do see uh, Tyler and Tucci both go out. For uh, North Carolina <clears throat> in this game, and um, I, I, I saw—I can't remember who put it on posed the question on Twitter—but uh, are they redshirting Chase Mullins? I, I don't know. Uh, that's a question we might want to get answered because uh, Chase Mullins did not play in this game for North Carolina even after Tucci and Tyre uh, went out. They put in Graham Schwartz at the faceoff dot, not Chase Mullins, the number one uh, ranked faceoff man coming into the season as a recruit, uh, coming out of high school as a recruit last year. Uh, did not put him in there, so begs the question, what's going on with that? Are they redshirting him? Is maybe he injured as well? Um, you know, I would lean on the side of redshirting him um, if – you know, I had to answer that. I'm not 100% sure, uh, but could very well be the case. Um, the Cavaliers behind that mark from P.J. Lasala, 55%. Um, they outscored the, the Tall Heels 10-2 in the final three periods of play. And this Virginia offense was, was rolling, as usual. Uh, Matt Moore, not in the game. So, no Matt Moore, no problem. Um, not something I would typically say, and not something I think you would say if you're playing a Maryland or um, a Princeton or a Yale or whoever, but against Carolina, yeah, no Matt Moore, uh, not much of a problem. Um, and, and look, he did see Jeff Connor step up, three goals, uh, three assists, one goal on the day. He played well. Xander Dixon had an assist in this one. Griffin shuts two goals. Connor Schauerberger, uh, one goal and one assist here. Uh, Peyton Cormier was the star of the day. Picked up the torch. Evans uh, with four goals, one assist. Evans Zen, 
two goals in this one. Patrick McIntosh, uh, one goal in this one as well. So they kind of got a little production from everywhere, but Cormier, uh, Schutz being the two main guys, Evan Zinn, a reserve player, uh, reserve midfielder coming in there and playing very, very well uh, also. So uh, Virginia looking good despite not having Matt Moore. Uh, you, you saw Casno, Sostad, Matusi. I mean, that defense played as good as they could. Grayson Soliday, two cause turnovers as well at the uh, SSDM spot. Scott Bauer there, uh, LSM, four, four ground balls. J- just just an all-around good performance from uh, the Virginia defense, Virginia offense, as I mentioned, getting it going as well. Um, just, I thought, overpowering performance, if you will, kind of the, the final three periods for the Cavaliers. What I did not watch, I still need to go watch tonight. Um, uh, maybe I'll watch it in the morning, but um, if I have time. Ohio State, uh, I saw the final like three minutes of this one, but um, Ohio State pulls past Johns Hopkins, uh, and they were down 9-8 to eight at home heading into the fourth in this one. Uh, Ohio State turns it on in the final period of play. Uh, Scott White, Reed Jackson, Mitchell Connor, uh, Connor Mitchell, excuse me, uh, gave the Buckeyes I don't, the 11-9 cushion there uh, early, uh, kind of midway through the fourth. Degnan cuts it back to a one-goal game for Hopkins. Um, but Johnny Wiseman, and, and this, I put this on Twitter, textbook, high to low bounce shot, just textbook, overhand, high to low um, bounce shot, bounces right past Kewson. Um, to seal the deal for Ohio State. And uh, a, a good win for the Buckeyes as, as they get a bounce back win there in Big Ten play. Um, the Buckeyes, they will play next week against Maryland. That's an L, I'm sorry. And then they have a game against Michigan. So it uh, looks like they're probably going to lock up that third seed there in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, before we get out of here, some other games to mention. Brett Dobson, 21 freaking saves. He does it again. St. Bonaventure, 6-3 to three in the MAC. They are rolling at the moment. They have taken full control in the MAC. Uh, really, really good performance from Dobson and that Monmouth squad. Oyola, statement win for the Greyhounds. 18-7 win over Navy. Uh, that one was on CBS Sports Network. I caught a bit of that, kind of flipping back and forth, but a really, really sound performance there from the Greyhounds. Uh, Towson, Towson, and think about Towson a year ago, where they were right now. They're 2-0 in the CAA, the Crazy Athletic Association. It's wacky as ever. Uh, 12-9 win over UMass to move to 2-0 in conference play. Big one there. Uh, UMBC in the America East. This one surprised me, folks. This one surprised me. Um, Albany, coming off a really good performance against Syracuse, uh, gets blown out, in essence. Uh, and UMBC, they go up 6-1 to one in the first period, and they never look look uh, look back again. 16-7 uh, win over the, the, the Danes. The Greyhounds get the doggy bowl, if you will. 16-7 to win there for UMBC. 
Mike uh, Mike Do- uh, Doty with six points, two goals, four assists. Uh, Brian uh, Trey Goen with three goals and three assists as well for six points. Uh, really good offensive performance there from the Retrievers in this one. Did I call them the Greyhounds earlier? The Retrievers. Retrievers. Um, Army holds off Colgate 13-11. to 11. And I'll say this, look. That's a gritty Colgate team. Like, that's a team that you never... Like, there's two teams you never want to play. Colgate and Bucknell. And I'll talk about Bucknell a little bit on Tuesday as well. Uh, they, uh, Lehigh, pulls out a one-goal victory over Bucknell. So, I got to go back and watch that one as well. At least watch the highlights of it. Um, read up on it. But uh, Colgate, good performance, guys. Good, gritty effort, as always, from the Colgate Raiders. Uh, but Army and Brendan Nickton uh, survive in that one. And uh, let's look. Anything else here that I want to go over before we head out of here? Uh, I do not think so. I think we're all good here. Um, oh, I, I, I do want to mention real quick um, Manhattan 8-7 to over Siena. Uh, Mac looking defensive as ever. Um, Georgetown fifteen to five, and uh, th- this this one again. Uh, Owen McElroy is out still. Uh, Michael uh, Schraffenberger gets his um, second start, I believe. Yeah, second or third? No, second start in cage, I believe it is uh, for him. Or third, I believe it is. Um, never mind that. He gets the start again in cage for the Hoyas. Um, you got to be wondering kind of when's McElroy coming back because, uh, look, they're doing it right now against uh, Denver and against Providence. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go uh, as, as they play some tougher teams. Uh, they have got a game against Loyola coming up uh, next Tuesday. Uh, so not this week, but next Tuesday. they got Marquette and they've got Villanova to end the year. Uh, the two toughest games left there. So, We'll see how he does in those ones. And then uh, we'll, we'll see if McElroy comes back. Uh, hopefully um, he does. I know he's kind of been battling some injuries throughout the season. He's been out for uh, a couple weeks now, so we'll see. Uh, keep track on that one. Uh, still have not seen Marcus Hudgens in the lineup for Army uh, either. Uh, so hopefully you know he comes back soon as well. Wish all the best for him. That is it for today's episode. As always, you can connect with us on social media lacrosse bucket on twitter instagram and facebook lacrossebucket.com where it's always lacrosse season whoo that was fast